chapter and the 14th verse, if you would. Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. Titling this message today, Signs and Seasons. Now, in this verse of scripture, God is talking about the sun, the moon, and the stars. And when he mentions days and years, of course, that has to do with our calendars. But he also talks about signs and seasons. Now, the signs, if you get in and study that word out a little bit, it means signals or warnings. Signals or warnings. Seasons, that word means festivals. So when he's talking here about the sun, the moon, and the stars, they can be for signs to us, signals to us, warnings to us, and so forth. Now, I believe God can use the sun, moon, and stars to send us signals or warnings. It's clear in Scripture. He placed the gospel in the stars. Many years ago, I taught a a several-part series on the gospel in the stars, and you can see the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ clearly in the stars of heaven. You know, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, there was a star that appeared, was there not? And, you know, astronomy is good. Astrology is evil. Astronomy, studying the stars and all of that, like the wise men did who came, you know, when Jesus was born. Actually, they they didn't come the night he was born. They didn't come for about two years after that. You realize that. And they didn't come to a stable. They came to the house. Remember that? I mean, you've read your Bible, haven't you? But, you know, we need to stick with the word of God, not with religious tradition. Is that right? That usually freaks people out when I say the wise men didn't come the night that Jesus was born. Well, they were probably headed that way. They didn't have jets back then. Is that right? So, so they got there about, about two years after Jesus was born. They didn't come to the manger. The Bible says they came to the house in which the child was. Is that right? But they followed a star nonetheless. And so they were, they were astronomers, and there's nothing wrong with that. Astrology, reading horoscopes, that kind of thing is demonic and evil. So you should stay away from that. But astronomy is good, so God can send us signals in the sun, the moon, the stars. Now, in Acts chapter 2, verse 20, turn there, if you would, with me. Acts chapter 2 and verse 20. Notice this. Peter is quoting from the Old Testament. The apostle Peter is quoting the prophet Joel. And in Acts 2 and 20, he he says this. He says, the sun shall be turned into darkness... And the moon into blood before the, now when? Before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Now, of course, people will ask, well, the day of the Lord, what is that? Well, from my study, and I can miss it, but from my study, it would appear to me that what he's talking about here is the millennial reign of Jesus Christ upon the earth which lay out in front of us. And so um, what's going to happen just prior to Jesus setting up his millennial reign here and his kingdom here upon the earth, 
when he reigns from Jerusalem, what's going to happen just prior to that? The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into what? Into blood. Now that does not mean that the moon's actually going to become blood. It's going to look blood red. Do you understand that? You understand that? And so the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon into blood. When? Before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord, which I believe to be the millennial reign of Christ upon the earth. So just before he sets up his reign here on the earth, you're going to see the moon, you know, the sun darkened and the moon turned into blood. Now, when you think about sun being becoming dark and the moon appearing blood red, to me, that would have to do with a total solar eclipse and a total lunar eclipse. When we say lunar, we're talking, of course, about the moon and solar has to do with the sun. But when you talk about the sun being darkened, you're talking about a solar eclipse and the moon appearing as blood, you're talking about a total lunar eclipse, a total solar eclipse, a total lunar eclipse. Now, Pastor John Hagee, who is a, who is a televangelist and... Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I enjoy his ministry. I may not agree with everything that he teaches and preaches, but I enjoy his ministry. He probably doesn't agree with everything I teach and preach, you know. But he recently wrote a book titled Four Blood Moons. And he based that book on the research done by Pastor Mark Blitz, who if you don't know who he is, he's a well-known scholar on the Jewish festivals. And this this. Uh, Pastor Mark Blitz went to NASA's website. Now, you know who NASA is. They run the space program of the United States. And he went to their website and found that in 2014 and 2015. Now, what year are we in right now? Okay, you're a smart crowd. We're in 2013. So 2014 next year and then 2015, the year after that, there are four, there are going to be four total lunar eclipses and again that's when the earth is completely between the sun and the moon which causes the moon to appear red like blood so in 2014 and 2015 there are going to be four total lunar eclipses and these four total lunar eclipses are going to occur consecutively which mean back to back now, when four consecutive lunar eclipses are all total eclipses, that group of four is known as a tetrad. And a tetrad is a rare event, doesn't happen very often. Now, it's interesting, though, that when you look at these, what's going to happen in 2014 and 2015, when you look at these tetrads on the Jewish calendar, uh, the first total lunar eclipse in 2014 is going to be on the first day of Passover. That's a, that's a high Jewish important time. The second is going to be on the first, the second total lunar eclipse is going to be on the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Again, a significant Jewish yearly festival or feast. And then in 2015, these same two total lunar eclipses are going to happen on the same two Jewish feast days, you know, in 2015. Now, it's interesting, because I'm just sharing with you the information I got from Mark Blitz and John Hagee, so I did not do this study myself. I'm just sharing you what, with you what they, what they studied, so give them the credit for the study. But it's interesting, according to NASA, 
Last century, last century, the tetrad on Passover and tabernacles. Remember in that original verse we read, it had to do with not only with signs and warnings, but seasons had to do with with festivals. That word seasons there in Genesis had to do with festivals. According to NASA, last century, the tetrad. Now, what is a tetrad? When you get four complete total lunar eclipses consecutively, okay? According to NASA, last century, that happened on Passover and tabernacles twice, two times. It's interesting in scripture, the moon has to do with Israel, So when you go back and you look at the two times last century that this tetrad happened, it happened in 1967 and 1968. And it's interesting that in 1967 uh, in Israel, there was the six-day war. Remember that? It was a significant time in Israel. It was a major event. And then the second one of these tetrads that happened last century happened in 1949 and 1950 when they fell on those feast days, these lunar eclipses falling on these feast days, happened in 1949, 1950. It's interesting, in 1948, a big significant day in Israel, that's when they again became a nation. So it's interesting. And then in the 1800s, no tetrads. You know, you know what a tetrad is now. It's a, those lunar eclipses. 1700s, no tetrads. 1600s, no te- tetrads. 1500s, because you see, NASA can go back on their computers. You know, God's very mathematical. And, and they can go back on their computers and, and they can find out when all these things happen. They can also look forward. So there were no tetrads in the 1800s, 1700s, 1600s. Now in the 1500s, there were several tetrads. But it's interesting, none of them fell on the Jewish feast days, okay? In, in uh, 1493 and 1494, we had this phenomenon of the tetrads happening, okay, on the feast days, okay, of uh, Passover and Tabernacles. In 1493, 1494, it's interesting, in 1492, you're going to say, uh, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, which which he did, and all of that discovered America and all that. However, you want to look at that, but it's interesting. In, four, in 1492, all the Jews were expelled from Spain. Significant Jewish event. You know, God's chosen people are the Jews. Is that right? You understand? Because Jesus came out of there. Is that right? Is that right from the Jewish Jewish race? Now, nation. Now, it's interesting that when these tetrads fall on these feast days it seems as though something major happens with Israel okay Uh, now you might ask well what about solar eclipses solar eclipses we've been talking about lunar you came to church today and you're getting a NASA lesson you didn't didn't know that's all right we'll get it we'll get scripture here more so in just a moment now the moon has to do with Israel and in scripture, as you study it out, you could make argument that the sun has to do with the nations, not Israel, but the nations. Now, let's talk just a moment about solar eclipses. When, that's when the moon passes between the earth and the sun, thus causing the sun to be darkened or appear black. And in 2015, not only are there going to be two lunar eclipses, which we've already talked about, but there's going to be two solar eclipses in 2015 it's interesting 
And again, you have to link these with the Jewish feast days. It's interesting, the first total solar eclipse, according to NASA, in 2015 is going to be on the first of Nisan, which is a big day in, in, in the Jewish calendar. It's approximately our April 1st. Then two weeks after that, we get the first total lunar eclipse, which is on Passover. This is 2015. And then after that, another total solar eclipse, and that falls on the Feast of Trumpets. <laughs> and then finally, you get that last lunar eclipse on Tabernacles. So I mean, wow. Uh, you know. And so you say, well, pastor, what does this mean? What, what could happen? Well, let me tell you, there's two things that could happen. Much or absolutely nothing. (laughs) Did you hear what I just said? I said much or absolutely nothing. Now, you know, after going through all of that, and you know, you were probably thinking I'm going to stand up here and say, you know, the world is coming to an end. Well, I've learned from a lot of experience that much could happen. But I've also learned from a lot of experience that nothing might happen. Now, I would be totally and completely surprised, totally and completely surprised in 2014 and 2015 if something significant with Israel did not happen. I would be totally surprised, but I wouldn't be totally shocked. It it just, the way this is falling, it just, it seems like something's going to happen. But, you know, I'd be surprised if, if something didn't happen, but if, if, if something doesn't happen, I won't be shocked. Much could happen, nothing could happen. I remember back to 1988, and there was a fellow who wrote a book, and he wrote a book that Jesus was coming in 1988. And he based it on the fact that Israel again became a nation in 1948. And if you add 40 years, Jesus said that, you know, some say that, that he said that when. Uh, you know, you got to go by what Jesus said, not what you think he said. But some will say that, that, when, that Jesus said when Israel again becomes a nation, that that generation will not pass off the earth. Now, Jesus did say that the generation that sees a bunch of things that he talked about will not pass till all things be fulfilled. But he may have been talking about Israel becoming a nation as one of those things he may not have. It, you know. and, uh, but in, in 1988, just prior to that, a fellow wrote a book. That, that based on Israel becoming a nation in 48, and then 40 years is typically a generation. Well, he did some math, 1988. He said Jesus was coming back. Well, Jesus didn't come back, did he? Did he? Not 1988, he didn't, did he? But, but that guy made a lot of money selling the book, didn't he? And then, with, when, when that didn't work out for him, then he wrote another book, Why He Miscalculated a Year, and put it out, said Jesus come in 1989. Well, he didn't, he didn't come in 89, did he? But that guy made a lot more money on the book, didn't he? Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to, to like what John Hagee did, writing a book warning us about the four blood moods. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm glad he wrote the book. I've learned a lot from it, you see, because I don't think his motive is, is money there. The, the thing of it is, is that, you know, Jesus said that we don't know the day or the hour. Is that right? But we can clearly know the season for his return. And, uh, you know, I remember Y2K. How many of you remember Y2K? Uh, and everything was supposed to shut down and stop running. And you understand that. I, and, and I had one fellow come to me and he wanted me to build a barn out here and, and you know, store up goods and, 
whatnot. I just never had any, you need to follow the peace in your heart. You know that? Is that right? You always follow the word of God first and foremost. I mean, that's, that's how God leads us. Is that right? But uh, as far as should I build a barn out here or not, I can't go to the Bible and, and see where it says, Terry, thou shalt build a barn. You know what I'm saying? So you've got to follow that peace of the Holy Ghost in your heart. Never had peace about it. Well, that guy, he got frustra- frustrated and mad at me and whatever. But you see Y2K came and Y2K, Y2K, that's when we went over into the year 2000. Remember that? And, and uh, you know, it wasn't the big debacle that everybody thought it was going to be. Is that right? And, and then I remember just a short time after 9-11 took place. Remember 9-11 when the crashed the planes in. And, and then there was a, a famous televangelist who I have a lot of respect for. You know, don't agree with him on everything. He probably doesn't agree with me on everything. But uh, he at that time came out and said that this was after 9-11. This was a couple of years after he said that he saw a vision where blood, fire, vapor, smoke was coming down over New York and it was going to spread out over the nation and everybody was in a, in a tumult about that, you know. And, but, but in my heart, I just, it didn't, you, you better go with what's in the word of God and what's in your heart, not what so-and-so said. I don't care how famous they are. Can you say amen? And so I went into the word of God and I took the blood, the fire, the vapor, smoke, because I had people that in the church back then, they, they wanted me to rent, you know, rent gymnasiums out and hold special meetings and, you know, blah, 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 and so on, warning people about, about this blood, fire, vapor, smoke. I went into the word of God and I showed where the blood, the fire, and vapor, smoke has to do with once we're in the tribulation period. You understand that? And people got mad at me and some folks left the church because, you know, I was, you know, because I wasn't going with you know, brother so-and-so's revelation. Now we need to stick with the word of God. Can you say amen to that? We need to judge, you need to judge everything. You don't need to be judgmental, but you need to judge in the fact that you, in the sense of you need to analyze things in, in, in line with the word of God. Is that right? So having said that, the four blood moons, I think it could be very significant and I'd be surprised if something didn't happen, particularly with Israel. But I wouldn't be shocked because, like I said, much could happen, nothing could happen. I hope you're happy and glad that I'm the way that I am. And, you know, I, I, I try to be pretty pretty sound and solid and f- f- base things on the word of God. Uh, and just so you know, just so you know, because I went and found this out myself, on the NASA website, there, were, there was a tetrad that happened. You remember what tetrads are? There's a tetrad that happened in 2003 and 2004. Did you know that? You probably didn't know that. Now, did it fall on a feast day? I don't know. I, you go look it up. You want me to do all your studying for you? I don't know. I don't have a clue. I know the ones in 2014 and 15 are because John Hagee and Mark Blitz said they are, so I'm going to take their word for it. But then there are, you're also there, you're going to have eight total tetrads Eight total tetrads, that's when, remember what that is, total lunar eclipse, right? Four in a row, right? All right. So that happened 2003 and four, and I look back, I don't see anything happen major, you know, you know, understand what I'm saying? With Israel back then that I'm aware of, but I don't know that they fell on the, the feast days. 2014, 15, I already told you about that. But now we have them coming in 2032, 33, 43, 44, 2050, 51, 2061, 62, 72, 73, 90, and 91. 
And if Jesus doesn't come, let's say I was born in 63, so I could be around for, now, how long do we have here on the earth? Does anybody know? Huh? 100 to 120. That's what the Bible says, book of Genesis. Is that right? So I could be around, I was born in 63, so I could be around for 72, 73, right? Some of you that are older than me, you probably won't be. You you all have already gone to heaven. Is that right? If the Lord wouldn't come in that time. Now, I personally think he will come in that time. I personally think that he will before then. But is he gonna be coming in 2014, 15? Well, by the time I get done with this message, I'll give you enough where you can make that judgment for yourself. But these tetrads are going to happen as we go out into the future beyond 2014, 15. Now you're going to ask me, Pastor, which ones of those are, are hooked up with the Jewish feast days? I don't have a clue. I didn't look it up. You go look it up. You don't want me to do all your studying for you, do you? You go look it up. Amen. Right? So I don't know. There's a lot. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot more I don't know than what I do. Are you in that club with me? And I learned this, the more I, the more I come to know, the more I see how much I don't know. That's what happened when I got my math degree. I, I thought I was a you know, genius knowing all the calculus and advanced calculus. And then you come to see just, you get really into it, look at it, you see how much you don't know. Same thing's true with the word of God. Been doing this all these years and I, I, there's a lot more I don't know than what I do, but we do know a few things. And what I do know is that no further signs from the Bible need to be fulfilled for the Lord Jesus to return to earth. And everybody said, amen. Amen. What I do know is from my study of the word of God, so I I don't know about the tetrads and all of that. And and it's very, uh, the 2014-15 has my full attention and I'm giving it due respect. Don't misunderstand me, giving it full respect. But the next major event that I see in the Bible is the rapture of the church. Now, you, you know, what is that? Well, that's when the church is caught up to heaven. The Bible says the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be changed in a moment, twinkling of an eye, will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Do you want me to say that again, or did you get it? Amen. She wants me to do it again. So when I took my wife out on a date, I'd start quoting, you want me to quote? There was a woman who had an issue of blood 12 years, suffered many things, many, you don't want me to, okay. But realize, say the rapture. rapture. Yeah, that's when, that's, now if that, now if that event wasn't clearly written in the Bible, I, I wouldn't believe it. It's such a bizarre thing that's gonna happen to think about the graves blasting open and resurrected bodies and all that. But you know what? I believe the word of God. That's in the word of God. Now you'll have people argue with, they wanna argue to rapture. Some people don't think the rapture is gonna happen at all. Some people you get in the mid-trib, pre-trib, post-trib, and the one guy's pan-trib, it'll all pan out in the end, you know? It's an old joke, but I got a few laughs. But I do believe there's gonna be a rapture. I I believe that where the church is caught to heaven before the tribulation period begins. I I believe that. And uh, what needs to take place for that to happen? What in scripture needs to take place? Nothing, everything's been fulfilled. The Lord could come back before I finish this message or it could be years before he comes back. So I learned a long time ago, you live and be ready every second for his return, but you plan your life as though he's not gonna come in this lifetime. Does that sound like pretty sound advice? 
And there's going to be a judgment seat of Christ where all the believers in the Lord Jesus, all saved people, all Christians are going to stand before that judgment seat and they're going to be judged for the works they've done in the body, whether good or bad. Some will receive a reward and great rewards and others will, the Bible says, will suffer loss. Their works will be burned up, but they themselves will be saved. So there's going to be a judgment seat of Christ where all believers will stand before the Lord. And then, according to the Bible, and I don't have time to get into all, all everything with you, it'd take us three hours, and I don't think anybody wants to stay here three hours. It'd take me three weeks, probably three months to get through all this. Let me just summarize it. But then there's going to be a release of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. You've ever heard about those guys? They're symbolic in Scripture, but they're very real in that some bad things are going to come upon the earth. So I said, well, I thought things were already bad. Well, they are, but it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to get worse. I do believe that we're living in the, in the time of the end. I, 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 think, I think we are. And after the church is raptured or caught up to heaven, then there's going to be a release of the Antichrist. He's one of those four horsemen. And he comes forth on, the scripture says, a white horse, which is symbolic. See, the devil wants to copy Jesus. Jesus rides a white horse. Is that right? And, and, and so he wants, the devil wants, he's a copycat. And, and the Antichrist is going to be released. He's going to come on the scene first. Say, there's a lot I don't know, but what I do know is he, the Antichrist is going to come on the scene as a peacemaker. And he's going to sign a seven-year covenant or, or some kind of a peace agreement bringing peace to the Middle East, you see. And what, what I do know is that there's Daniel 70 weeks. A lot of people have heard of that. Some haven't. But all of those six, there's 70 weeks of Daniel, 69 of them have been fulfilled. There's one week yet that has not been fulfilled. And th- that week is seven years long. And guess how long the tribulation period is going to be? It's going to be seven years long. And uh, this, this seven-year tribulation period is known as, 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 a, uh, as tribulation, great tribulation. It, it, Jesus said it's going to be a horrible time upon the earth like, we, like we've never seen. That's why you need to be sure you know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Can you say amen? And the first three and a half years of that tribulation are bad, but the last three and a half years are terrible. And it's just going to be a horrible time. And there's a lot I don't know, but one thing that I do know is that, that God is going to have, the Lord Jesus is going to have 144,000 Jewish evangelists that are going to be ministering upon the earth during that first half of the tribulation period. And at the middle of that tribulation period, they're going to get raptured. And I believe, I personally believe that, there, you know, there's some folks going to miss the rapture. Did you know that? People who have, I believe a lot of people who have sat in church and just tolerated the sermons and tolerated the messages, put up with it. But all of a sudden, their loved ones are going to be gone, can't find them anywhere. A mass exodus of Christians gone throughout the world. And they're going to think, oh my gosh, my gosh, those crazy people were right after all. And then they're going to want to get saved. And I believe, now some would argue with me on this, but I believe after the uh, first half of the tribulation, I believe that, that during that first three and a half years of tribulation, people are going to be able to get saved. And I believe that what I call there is a second busload going out. I believe, a lot I don't know, but I do believe that. Some would argue with me, but I do believe that there's going to be a mid-tribulation rapture because God's a gracious God. I said, God's a gracious God. He's not willing that any should perish, but all come to repentance. Is that right? 
I tell you what, if you miss that second busload, though, you go into the second half of that tribulation period, you don't want no part, you don't want no part of the first half of it, but you sure enough don't want no part of the last half of that. You understand? There's going to be demonic activity increased unbelievably during the tribulation period. The Antichrist along about the mid-tribulation, according to my study, is going to be assassinated and then raised back to life. Well, see, he's trying to copy what Jesus what Jesus did. And then there's going to be a fellow, there's a lot I don't know, but the Bible's clear. There's going to be a false prophet who arises and is going to be the religious figure for this Antichrist, who's also known as the beast. And, and, and this, this false prophet is going to institute a mark. You've heard of the mark of the beast, 666. The Bible's clear. A lot I don't know, but what I do know is that there's going to be a mark of the beast during the last half of that tribulation period, and you're going to have to receive it on your right hand or your forehead, or you're not going to be able to buy or sell. Do you understand? You're not going to be able to do business of any sort. Now, people want to argue, is it a computer chip? Is it a, is it a, is it a tattoo? I don't have the first clue. I don't know what it is. I just know that, thank God, according to my study, we don't have to be here when that happens, so I'm not going to worry about it. Can you say amen? amen. Glory to God. But that's a coming. So I don't know about the blood moons. I don't know about it, but I do know these things are going to happen. And uh, I know that in that hour, anybody who misses the rapture misses that second bus load and you get into the last half of that tribulation period. Uh, in that hour, uh, they're going to ask you if you're here and you get saved. Because see, during that second half of the tribulation period, there's going to be two witnesses that are going to be ministering. Now, who are those two witnesses? I don't have a clue. I remember I was teaching this one time and, and there's a big fella sitting on the front row. And he raised his hand. This was not in a church setting. It was in a class I was teaching. And uh, I was teaching because I believe the two witnesses are going to be uh, uh, Enoch and, and, and Elijah, you know, because they've never experienced physical death. The Bible says it's pointing on the men wants to die after this a judgment. So I believe it's going to be them. But I'm not, I'm not going to argue over it. But I, I was teaching on that and he raised his hand. And I said, yes. He said, I believe, said, he said, Pastor Terry, I believe I'm one of the two witnesses. And I said, well, I don't think you are. And I gave him scripture and so on and so forth. He stood up like Paul Bunyan. And he said, look down at me. He said, I believe I'm one of the two witnesses. I said, well, you know, I can miss it. You know, if, if. <laughs> there are going to be two men that are going to minister during the second half of the tribulation period. You understand that? That's what the Bible says. I could give you, turn and give you scriptures on it. People are going to be getting saved even during the last part of the tribulation period. But in that hour, to hold your testimony for Jesus, it's going to cost you your head. I tell you what, in that hour, if you, if you get to that hour, if, you, if you're just stubborn and won't receive Jesus and you get to that hour and they want to, they challenge you whether to have your head cut off or not let them cut your head off. It's better to have your head cut off and go to heaven than to keep your head and go to hell. Is that right? Is that correct? Is that right? Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And an interesting thing about that tribulation period, as you study the book of Revelation and other of the Old Testament prophets, but particularly in the book of Revelation, you'll see that the plagues like in Moses' day are going to be falling in that hour. I mean, I mean, hailstones, all kinds of stuff happening that happened in Moses' day and, and, and worse. And the thing, one of the things that freaks me out in Scripture, just about people, unbelievable. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, and men were scorched with great heat and they bled. You know, if I was getting scorched with great heat, I think I'd repent. 
But the Bible says that they continue to blaspheme the name of God and they did not repent and give him glory. Isn't that amazing? There are just some people that, I guess there are just some people just rather go to hell than go to heaven. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, God is so good that in that hour, the angel, he's gonna have angels flying through the heavens preaching the gospel. Angels don't preach now. I understand that, but apparently in that time, you read the book of Revelation, he's gonna have angels flying around declaring the gospel. God's a good God. As we come to the end of the, see, there's a lot I don't know, but what I do know is we come to the end of that tribulation period and uh, there's gonna be a setup for the battle of Armageddon. Has anybody ever heard of the battle of Armageddon? It'll be the war to end all wars. It's the ultimate showdown between good and evil. Now, let me give you a little thought here. This is just a thought. I don't know. It might be right. It might not be. But there's a, I know there's going to be a battle of Armageddon. There's no question about it in scripture. But also, if you go to Ezekiel 38 and 39, you don't have to turn there now. But if you went there, I will turn in some more scriptures here in a minute before we close. But in Ezekiel 38 and 39, there's a war that's going to take place. And you're going to have some of the, you're going to have Russia primarily and some of the Arab, Arab nations are going to join with Russia and they're going to move on Israel and they're going to try to destroy Israel, and God is going to essentially get up off his throne in that hour. And he's going to annihilate Russia, the armies of Russia, and all that join in with them. It's the battle of Ezekiel uh, 38 and 39. I do not believe that's the battle of Armageddon. So what could be happening in 2014 and 2015? Could it be that? Could be. I don't know. But that is something to, to at least at least keep your eyes on. But what I do know is that uh, that war you see in Ezekiel 38, 39 will happen sometime before the battle of Armageddon. But at the end of the tribulation period, there is going to be a battle of Armageddon and it's going to be the war to end all wars. And look at Matthew 24, verse 29. Go there with me quickly. I don't want to keep you too long, preach too long, but I do want to get this through to you here. Are you getting anything out of this today? Have you learned anything? Um, from time to time, we need to take a look at some of these things. Matthew 24, 29, Jesus is speaking here. He says, immediately after the tribulation of those days. He's talking about the great tribulation here, the seven-year period we just talked about. He says, immediately after the tribulation of those days. Now, how long does that tribulation period take, did we say? Seven years. Now, when is 2014 from now? How many years? About, about one. So there's not time between now and 2014 to get the whole tribu seven-year tribulation period in. Is that right? So the, the, the moon turning, you know, the, the lunar eclipses that are coming and all of that in and, and, and 2014-15 could not really be what Jesus is talking about here, what we're going to be reading. Do you understand that? How many of you understand that? Okay, so he's talking about something other, I believe, than what's going to happen 2014-15. He's talking now about the end of the tribulation, which will happen on out in the future. But look, he says, immediately after tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then, a lot I don't know, but I do know from this verse and other verses, many other verses in scripture, that at the end of the tribulation, Jesus returns. Can you say amen? 
In verse 30, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. See, when he comes in the rapture seven years prior, he, his feet doesn't, t- doesn't touch the earth. We get caught up. Church gets caught up. But at the end of the tribulation, he comes back and his feet set down on the Mount of Olives. Olives. And then the sign, verse 30, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Uh, that excites me. How about you? Let's look at Luke 21, 25. Let's turn there. And essentially it's Luke's account of, of, of basically the same thing. Just want to show it to you in, in, in other places. Jesus again speaking here, Luke 21, 25. There'll be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. Did Jesus say that? Yes, he did. And on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So you see right before Jesus comes back and sets his feet on the Mount of Olives and fights the battle of Armageddon and and all of that, you're going to see signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. And the sun is going to be darkened, and the moon is going to be blood red and all of that. That is going to happen there then. And didn't we see that there were some other tetrads happening on out in the future? Are they linked to feast days? That's your homework assignment. But, it's, but the thing of it is, is what do we know? We know that when Jesus comes back just prior to his return to earth, there's going to be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and the sun is going to be uh, turned to, to turn black and, and dark, and, and the moon's going to be blood red. Now, is that also going to happen in 2014, 15? Yes. Is something going to happen big on the earth? I, I, I don't know. It very well may. But the point is, is what's going to happen 2014 and 15 is not the same as, as, as the end of the tribulation. Did that help you at all? And if you want a little more on this, Revelation 6.12, turn there. Revelation 6.12. And notice he says here, Revelation 6.12, I looked when he opened the sixth seal. Now, if you haven't studied the book of Revelation, you won't have a clue what that means. But I looked when I opened the sixth seal. Let me just tell you. That happens right at the end of the trip, right near the very end of the tribulation period. And we already read what Jesus had to say, but now look at what the Holy Ghost says through John here, who's writing the book of Revelation. I look when I opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became like sackcloth of hair, that's black, and the moon became like what? Like blood. So that is going to happen before Jesus returned, but that's at least seven years on out from now. Do you understand that? Now, much I don't know, but what I do know, go to Revelation 19, verse 11. Let's just close up reading some scripture here. I can't think of a better thing to do than read scripture. You need to realize as a pastor, I haven't come to entertain you. I've come to teach you the word of God. You understand it? So, you know, I, I, Revelation 19, verse 11. Now I saw, now this is right as Jesus returns. Let's see, you want to know what's going to happen when he returns? Watch this. And do you know there's a scripture that says every eye shall see him? How is that possible? How is that possible? Television, is that right? I tell you, when Jesus comes back, it is going to freak some, I mean, Wolf Blitzer, if he's still here, is going to be freaked out. Did you understand it? Now I don't know if he's saved or not. So if he's saved, then he won't be running the cameras, but... uh, Or running the interview, but I tell you what, some of the, you talk about breaking news. Amen. I mean, how many of you know that a lot of times the television, the the CNN or Fox or whatever, come on breaking news. We're starting the news uh, for uh, you didn't get that's hilarious, isn't it? 
breaking news, you know, the cameraman just went to the restroom. I mean, you know, everything's breaking news, breaking news. And then you say something, whoever they're interviewing says something, and then two seconds after they say it, they have their quote right at the bottom. You ever notice that? That just drives me nuts. I don't know why they do that. But I tell you what, when Jesus comes back, how many can you reel out say breaking news? Well, they're going to break. So, I mean, I tell you what, they're going to, I, I think when he comes back, if the, if the Cardinals are still playing in that hour, they'll break in on that. Did you hear me? That'd be worth breaking in on though to see Jesus come back, wouldn't it? Huh? Huh? Don't you think? Now look, Revelation 19, 11. Now I saw heaven open and behold a what? A white horse. You see, he rides a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true and righteous. He judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, see, now that's you and me. We get to come back with him. How did we get to heaven? Seven years earlier, there was a rapture. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. So get you some riding lessons, all right? Now, out of his mouth goes a what? Sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the wine press, wine press the fiercest wrath of Almighty God. And he who has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, what, what does that say? King of kings and Lord of lords. That'd be talking about Jesus, wouldn't it? Glory to God. He comes back. That's what it's going to look like. Verse 19, sake of time. And I saw the beast. This is the Antichrist. And the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together. This is in the Valley of Megiddo, Battle of Armageddon, to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. You know, the devil's crazy. He thinks he can beat, beat Jesus. Yeah, it'd be crazy. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, which, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with, with brimstone. Can you say amen to that? And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. The Bible says in another place that blood is going to run to the horse's bridle for about 200 miles over there in the Middle East at the Battle of Armageddon. Unbelievable. The Bible says Satan then will be locked away in the bottomless pit for a thousand years. See, there's a lot I don't know, but there's one thing I do know. The Bible says that Satan's going to get locked up for a thousand years. Isn't that wonderful? Next time he starts coming to you and and badgering you, you just remind him he's going to get locked up for a thousand years. (laughs) And then there's going to be that thousand year millennial reign of Jesus on the earth. The Bible's clear at the end of that thousand year reign. Satan's going to be released for a short time and many will follow him. Much we could say about that. And then uh, God destroys those folks and Satan is cast alive in the lake of fire forever and ever. Can you say amen to that? Revelation 20 verse 11. Let's read this. We'll close here. Now watch this. We're going to talk about the people who don't receive Jesus now. Revelation 20, verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, notice a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened, another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell, gave, or Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. 
And death and Hades or death and hell was cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Now watch this. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Did you know God weeps? I'm convinced when people go to hell. He weeps. He doesn't want any to perish. He doesn't want any to go to hell. But if you will refuse to receive him and you say, I don't need you, Jesus, I'm going to stand on my own good works, then this is where you're going to have to appear one day. And you'll be judged according to your own works. You'll come up short. And, 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 and I believe God with tears in his eyes will have to turn you into the lake of fire. Be sure that you know Jesus. Be sure that you know Jesus. Not just know about him, but know him in your heart. There's a lot I don't know, but I do know in Revelation 21 verse 1, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. God's going to renovate this, this earth by fire. The Bible's clear, going to be renovated. You understand that? It'll be a new heaven and new, new atmosphere, new earth. First heaven, the first earth pass away. There was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Isn't that something God's going to move his heavenly city down here to earth? A lot I don't know, but I do know that. In verse 4, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there'll be no more death, sorrow, nor crying. Won't that be wonderful? No more funeral homes. No more hospitals. Won't that be wonderful? We'll never have to watch a loved one get eat up with cancer. That'll be over. Can you say amen? amen? And there'll be no more pain for the former things have passed away. There's a lot I don't know. But there's one thing I do know. You want to be sure that you know Jesus Christ and you want to be sure that you're in good standing with him. Stand with me if you would. Praise God. The head's bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you've never made a decision for the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do that today. If just half of what I said is true, if just half of it was true, there's enough here to motivate you to want to get, get saved. You understand that? So if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I'm not here to condemn you. God loves you. We love you. And we just want to invite you to come to Jesus. He'll change your life. Invite him into your heart. With a repentant heart, just come to him and ask him to...